Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, November 1st, 2016, and I'm your host, Arielle Taylor, with my co-hosts, Lavendar and Anastasia. Our special guest this evening is Paula Bates, who relived a past life in ancient Atlantis that shook her world during a Brian Weiss past life regression workshop in 2002. As a result of the emotionally charged information from her remote past that barreled through her psyche that day, her fascinating novel, The Atlantean Legacy, began to take form. Paula has always been an explorer of the spiritual realm, doing her utmost to follow the path that spirit has laid out before her. Her explorations have led her to study with a multitude of teachers, including Starhawk, Sonia Coquette, and Brian Weiss, to name a few. In addition to being an author and a seeker, she's a certified past life regression therapist, a certified sixth sensory practitioner, an intuitive counselor, and a licensed mental health health counselor, a Reiki master, and an artist. She also has a gift for our listeners that she'll tell us about, and her website is paulabates.com, and that's P-A-U-L-A, Bates, B-A-T-E-S, dot com. We'd like to thank Vanya and Fiona for hosting the Switchboard this evening for those who may have a comment or question for our guest. And if you'd like to chat with like-minded people, we have an online Starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com, and it's a safe place to connect with other Starseeds, thanks to Tammy's dedication and help with our forum. You can download any show in our archives on iTunes or right from our Blog Talk Radio episode page. Just use the cloud with an arrow on it. And we'd appreciate your support of our show, which you can do by clicking follow on our page here at Blog Talk, and you'll get our weekly show notices so you know what's coming up. The toll-free number for our main site, starseedhotline.com, is 888-881-0881. The Stage 1 Starseed Confirmations are based on Lavendar's Discovery of Star Markings and your natal astrological chart. And the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one phone session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, or myself. For those who need healing of any kind for yourself or your pets, Tammy's powerful remote sessions will help. And if you have a birthday coming up, you've got 10 hours of power that you're not going to want to miss out on. So you can find out when that happens by requesting your solar return timing. And if you want an interpretation of that chart, please order it about two or three months ahead of time to make sure you get it in before your 10 hours. So first this evening, I would like to introduce Anastasia with her ever-popular Starseed News. Good evening, Anastasia. Well, good evening, Ariel. Good evening, Starseed listeners. It's great to be back together with you again tonight. We have lots of news, so much happening in the world right now. I couldn't possibly cover it all unless we took a whole show or maybe two. So <laughs> we'll get right into it. We, I just you know, always have to decide which are the most interesting stories or important stories, and that's just pretty near impossible. So let's get started. <laughs> well, NASA's intruder alert system has spotted an asteroid on a near-collision course with Earth as reported by RT. Yep, 
a large chunk of space rock is coming dangerously close to the Earth, but scientists are sure it won't collide with our planet thanks to a new NASA tool designed to, uh, designed to detect potentially hazardous flybys. Now, the incoming rock was detected by the NASA-funded Panoramic Survey Telescope and Rapid Response System, otherwise known as the PAN-STARS, which is located on Maui in Hawaii, and they found this on the 26th of October, just a few days ago. It's a new early warning system. It's named SCOUT, promptly analyzes the data, found the data on this particular rock, and concluded that the object went in the direction of our planet, but that it would miss us by about 310,000 miles. And the NASA surveys done with uh, this PAN-STAR system are finding something like at least five asteroids, according to NASA, every night. So they've really been busy. I mean, they have built these devices to detect incoming, and they're working really hard on it. And they're just finding all kinds of near-Earth objects all the time. Anyway, they've got their eye in the sky, and they said that this one is is not going to get us. And... Um, so there you have that. Um, we have something going on uh, in space, lots of stuff, actually. Boy, the news is big with that. But astronomers have found a pair of extraordinary cosmic objects that dramatically burst in X-rays. Well, cosmic objects put out X-rays, but this discovery may represent a new class of explosive events ever discovered in space. Now, the mysterious X-ray sources flare up and become about a hundred times brighter in less than a minute before they return to their original X-ray levels after about maybe an hour. Now, at their peak, these objects that give off hundreds to thousands of times more X-rays than typ uh, typical binary stars, um, astronomers say that they have seen many objects that flare up, but that these particular objects are examples of an entirely new phenomenon. They don't know what they are. They've just discovered them, and they say that in this case there is a pair of them, two extraordinary cosmic objects with dramatic uh, X-ray bursts that they haven't seen anywhere else in space. And it all occurs within an hour, 100 times magnitude, and then slacks off to normal within an hour. They're really scratching their heads over that one. So I don't have any idea about where they found this in the, in the cosmic map. Can't tell you that. But the article is out of astronomy now if you want to go check it out. <clears throat> Who knows? But they're obviously finding lots of stuff. And speaking of that, Saturn's polar hexagon has mysteriously changed colors. I know some of you have probably heard about that, and I wanted to share it with you tonight. They say that it's nothing like we've seen on any other planet in the entire universe. And now that mysterious structure on Saturn's North Pole just got even weirder. And they say that in four years, Saturn's hexagon has changed its color from blue to gold. Now, it was discovered almost 30 years ago, but Saturn's hexagon is a six-sided structure that spans 20,000 miles in diameter and extends about 60 miles into the planet's dense atmosphere. Now, along the rim of this hexagon, there's a jet stream of air that's blasting uh, at speeds of 200 miles per hour. Well, scientists have concluded that this is a vast cloud pattern uh, generated by a gigantic perpetual hurricane spinning at the center of the planet's North Pole. At least that's what they think, anyway. That's what they're saying, anyway. 
And uh, scientists are saying that this storm has been raging for decades, maybe even for hundreds of years. Now, they say that we're confident mm -hmm, that we know what Saturn's hexagon is, but now the big mystery is how it got there in the first place. And now they've got something else to explain. They want to know how it could have two different colors in that hexagon between November 2012 and September 2016. They don't know what's made it change from blue to gold. So there it is. Hmm. And have you heard about that, Ariel? That's been in the news a little bit off mainstream not, news. Not really, no, huh? Mm -hmm. Well, we had actually a Starseed listener that sent us that story, and I thank them for passing that along. But it really is mysterious. They assert a lot of knowledge about things, and, you know, we'll go along with that. But the fact is, there's just so much that we don't know, an infinity of things that we don't know. <clears throat> but we're discovering some stuff for sure. Well, we've had quite a few earthquakes this past week. We've had nearly 20 microquakes that hit near the Salton Sea in California. It was the second swarm in two months. This is out of the Los Angeles Times. They say that the, the uh, strongest of these 20 microquakes was 3.3, along you know, with others that were much smaller. But it struck in the town of Nyland, near the eastern shore of the Salton Sea. And this, of course, is according to the USGS. They say that uh, in September, a series of more than 200 small quakes hit the area. Now, that at that time prompted scientists to say that there was an elevated risk for a big San Andreas Fault earthquake. And the Salton Sea is one of California's most seismically complex areas, um, but now it's happening again, a new swarm, uh, just within the last two days. Actually, the date of this article that came out was yesterday, so it may still be ongoing. This was as of yesterday. And there was a shallow 5.4 earthquake that rattled central India. This occurred on, uh, let's see, Wednesday now, uh, 5.4. Now, this happened just two months after uh, that real powerful earthquake uh, toppled villages and killed nearly 300 people. But with this one that happened on Wednesday, uh, there were no reports of damages. However, that's not all. On the 30th of October, on Sunday, the ancient town of Norcia in central Italy is now in ruins because there was a powerful earthquake which knocked this, uh, um, it was a um, basilica of St. Benedict, a 13th century monastery, and other buildings right to the ground on Sunday. That was uh, caused by a 6.6 .6 earthquake in Italy. So Wednesday we had a 5.4, Sunday we had a 6.6 .6. And so there's a lot going on. There was also an earthquake in Malta. Let me scroll down and find that for you. Malta is in the Mediterranean Sea. It's an island. It's just not far at all from Italy. And they had a 4.8 magnitude earthquake that happened on Sunday also. Now, that was just after that powerful 6.6 hit uh, central Italy. Um, and uh, there was nobody injured in Malta. But interestingly enough, on that same day... now. Keep in mind, there's a lot going on under the ocean in Italy and along Malta. Um, and on that same day, there was a uh, an array of dead or injured tuna that washed ashore in several areas of Malta's coast. And, of course, one could wonder if that might have happened as a result of outgassing from quakes in the region. We don't know, but sure is something going on out there. And um, this time it appears to be happening. Of course, you know, we... This the uh, ring of fire is always active, um, but now we're seeing it on the other side uh, in the Atlantic. 
and in the Mediterranean, excuse me. Now, there was a 5.6 magnitude quake that struck off of Tonga. Um, that happened uh, last week, late last week. And also in Colombia, they had a 5.4 earthquake. And that's not all of them, but that will do. <laughs> Just a lot of activity going on under the ocean, under the ground. Well, I've been talking to you about the North Dakota pipeline, what's been going on up there. And uh, Sunday, um, we had an article out of the Los Angeles Times, which said that the North Dakota pipeline activists are saying that protesters were kept in dog kennels. And uh, Native American activists are complaining about the force that was wielded to drive them from the path of a pipeline, uh, which they contend will desecrate tribal lands and put their source of drinking water at risk. You all know that. We've talked about that before. But protesters are saying that those that were arrested um, in the confrontation had numbers written on their arms and that they were housed in what appeared to be dog kennels without bedding or furniture. And other protesters said that advancing officers sprayed mace and pelted them with rubber bullets, including their horses. One of the horses had to be put down from an injury from a rubber bullet. Now, at least 141 people were arrested late last week after hundreds of police officers in riot gear flanked by military vehicles that released uh, sound cannon blasts, moved forward, and fired uh, clouds of pepper spray at the activists who were locked arm in arm. One uh, Native American said it looked like a scene from the 1800s with the cavalry coming up to the doors of the teepees, flipping open the canvas doors, only this time they were using automatic weapons. So the protest in uh, the Cannonball River area has lasted for months. And sometimes it's been hundreds, sometimes thousands of uh, uh, protesters have assembled there uh, to decry and try to stop the pipeline project. All right. Well, the U.S. Navy, according to Truthout, uh, which reported earlier this month, (coughs) excuse me, in the month of October, this is the 1st of November already, uh, Truthout reported in, in October that the U.S. Navy is slowly and knowingly introducing toxic metals and chemicals into the environment during its war game exercises. What kind of toxic chemicals, you might ask? How about depleted uranium? And the Navy Public Affairs Office, when asked what the Navy was doing to prohibit environmental contamination from the large amount of depleted uranium they are using, the Navy said, well, there is no evidence that this is harmful. And oh um, they, yeah, they really did. The Navy's PR department claimed that depleted uranium is extremely stable in seawater and poses no greater threat than any other metal. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, many scientists and researchers definitely disagree, as I'm sure most of us do. There was a man named Dr. Jay Gould who wrote the book, The Enemy Within, The High Cost of Living Near Nuclear Reactors, and he has been an outspoken critic of low-level radiation. Now, this author says that exposure to depleted uranium released into the atmosphere poses the same grave dangers as any other exposure to uranium. Now, you know, we think about pollution in the ocean such as plastic, chemicals, Uh, needle jabs, um, you know, assorted junk and litter. And then we think about Fukushima, what's happening there. And then, which was an accident, 
And then now we learn that the Navy is continuing to dump depleted uranium into the ocean. And in addition to that, which I don't report every week because it's just too depressing, vast amounts of marine life are washing ashore. Vast amounts. It's an ongoing story all the time. Our ocean is in jeopardy. And here, they're doing this, and they say it's not harmful. Hmm. So, anyway, and I wanted to share this with you. This is from Ecologist magazine. You know, you've heard about uh, 4G, 4G network. A lot of you are tied up to that kind of thing. Well, now there's a new 5G microwave spectra that's just about to be released across the planet without adequate safety testing. Now, this uh, writer says that there is a global neglect of what she calls the precautionary principle into preventing uh, profiteering uh, from these companies to who want to install 5G on a global basis, but that it is placing humans and ecosystems at great risk. And she does quote another book, which is titled Drowning in a Sea of Microwaves. And it was written by the late geneticist Dr. May Wan Ho, uh, which was one scientist who opposed GMOs. And, and in particular, this person identified pollution from wireless technologies as one of the most pressing issues of our times. Now, noting evidence for DNA damage, such as cancers, microwave sickness, and impairment of fertility, since the initial use of radar, way back when, followed by mobile phones and then Wi-Fi, um, it's clear that our radiation exposure has skyrocketed. Now, although Wi-Fi, I mean, although this kind of radiation is non-ionizing, um, they say that it, it uh, has other types of harm. And I wasn't really aware of this, but they have been doing studies since the 1950s on radar workers. Maybe some of you are well familiar with that. But according to the updated Bioinitiative report by 29 precautionary scientists, the effects on uh, beings' biology, on uh, biological systems, has been featured in several thousand peer-reviewed papers, and it shows that this kind of microwave radiation uh, uh, subjects harm to birds, uh, creates harm to birds, tadpoles, trees, other plants, insects, rodents, and livestock. And in control twi uh, trials in Switzerland, they've really found out some interesting stuff about this. They found that bees reacted to mobile phone signals with a high-pitched piping, which is a cue for bees to desert their hive. Now, other studies have shown that mitochondria, you know, that little powerhouse in our cells, are at risk, great risk, from new uh, EMFs, and that even DNA... Uh, may be frequency sensitive, and of course we know that it is. Now, one researcher discovered harm to fruit flies from just a few minutes exposure to wireless devices, and that means cordless phones, Bluetooth, and even digital baby monitors. So after reviewing uh, research, India's Ministry of Environment and Forests has warned that sensitive habitats need protection from EMF. Well, this writer says, that the worldwide rush towards 5G or fifth-generation wireless rollouts is set to raise our dense ocean of, of energetic pollution to all new, unprecedented levels. 
untested high microwave frequencies are being lined up to increase in their bandwidth and their usage, and of course, incredible profits to companies and at an untold price for the planet and her life forms. So I ask all of you, is your cell phone really worth it? Really? Um, Everywhere we look, everyone has a cell phone. I I, I hardly, I'm one of the few people that doesn't have one. People look at me like I'm, you know, from the Stone Age. But really, (laughs) I I, I think it's time that we rethink that, you know. Keep one for emergencies in your glove box. Get a flat tire. You want to call AAA, whatever. But, you know, ah, boy, it's is it really worth it? And um, this is a fascinating story, guys. This is from the Wall Street Journal. And uh, did you know that there is a synthetic version of DNA that could become the world's most efficient hard drive? Well, why not? You know, I mean, why not? Well, <clears throat> What they've done is they've taken a hundred works of classical literature, a seed database, uh, excuse me, a seed database from the nonprofit uh, Crop Trust and Universal Declaration. I can't say this from the nonprofit Crop Trust and the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. All of these things, hundred works of classical literature plus what I just told you, have all recently been converted from bits of digital data to strands of synthetic DNA. Just think about that for a minute. Is that wild? Now, this recent data-to-DNA conversion, which was completed in July, totaled 200 megabytes. Now, that would barely register on a 16-gigabyte phone, but it's not a huge amount of information, but that's not the point. (laughs) And besides, it bested the previous DNA storage record by a factor of about 10. And in order to achieve this feat, researchers concocted a process to encode the data, store it inside of synthetic DNA, and then use DNA sequencing machines to retrieve and finally decode the data. Wild. And the result? Well, they ended up with the exact same files that they started with. So not only can they store it, but they can retrieve it inside of synthetic DNA. Now, you know... That just has all kinds of starseed implications along with metaphysical implications and reality implications and all kinds of things. But there it is, using DNA to store data. Fascinating. Mm. Um, Any of you ever heard of bitter melon? Have you heard of that, Ariel? Yeah. Bitter melon, the fruit? Yeah. Well, according to Collective Evolution, bitter melon is a fruit that grows in Asia, Africa, and the Caribbean, and Traditionally, this has been used to treat diabetes and other mild conditions. But more recently, bitter melon juice has been shown to kill pancreatic cancer cells in vitro and in mice. And this is in a study done by the University of Colorado. Now, considering that the results were seen both in the laboratory and in living animals, they say that the effectiveness of bitter melon juice in treating pancreatic cancer and potentially other cancers is very promising. So I wanted to pass that along. Bitter melon juice. Wow. And uh, I wonder who's going to win the election. A lot of people are talking about that. I don't spend too much time thinking about it. But it's a lead for this story. Do you know that there has been an artificial intelligence system that's predicted the outcome of the presidential race and that it is predicting that uh, Trump will win the election? 
Now, this artificial intelligence system correctly predicted the last three uh, U.S. presidential elections. They said it correctly predicted them. And it's saying that Donald Trump is ahead of Hillary Clinton in this presidential election. Now, the name of this artificial intelligence system is Mogul A. And it takes in 20 million data points from from public platforms like Facebook, Google, maybe Twitter, YouTube. And then it analyzes the information to create predictions. And they say that this uh, artificial intelligence has already predicted, correctly predicted, the results of the primary elections. And now it's predicting who's going to win this time. So just a heads up. We'll see what happens. We'll see if the AI is accurate, but I thought I'd pass that along. Um, Artificial intelligence becoming utilized more and more all the time. And in our home segment tonight, I've got a mystery for you. I want to ask you, how is this possible? You all know I like birds. We talk about birds from time to time. Well, there's a bird, the common swift, maybe a chimney swift, common swift, Did you know that the common swift is able to fly continuously for 10 months without touching down or even for a second? This is according to an extraordinary study which finds that the species can stay in the air far longer than any other bird. Now, researchers tagged 13 birds, 13 common swifts, and followed their every move for two years. Don't ask me how they did that, please. Have no idea. Just... Just saying. Anyway, they found that while the swifts land for just two months during the breeding season, it is incredibly rare for them to roost during the rest of the year. However, and most remarkably, three of the birds out of these 13 birds in this study never touched the ground. They did not land on a tree. They did not land to drink water or in any way stop flying for the whole 10 months of this particular study. And none of the common swift birds spent more than one half of 1% of their time without flying, without flying at all. Wow. I mean, how is that possible? (laughs) They they eat bugs flying by? (laughs) I mean, you know, I want to be a swift. Just think, you could never have to sleep, never have to rest. Wow. I mean... That is an amazing amount of energy. Yeah, they would eat, but they have no need for rest. I think there's something myself. It seems marvelously metaphysical. You know, we hear about, um, let's say, exalted beings or advanced beings that don't need rest, don't need sleep. And here is an example of a species on our planet that can just go and go. Talk about the ever-ready bunny. That's just amazing <laughs> that they continue to go and go and go. I just think that's very remarkable, and I think it holds some deeper mystery. Anyway, that's kind of how my mind works, and I wanted to share it with you because I just think that's amazing if you think about it. Nature is yeah. amazing. Life is amazing. You know, outside of our windows, uh, most of us, we have these beautiful leaves falling, and it is an exotic time of the year. And we can just so appreciate life as we look out our windows or get outside, hopefully. Hopefully we get out, get out of the house or out of the office into nature. And just marvel at the wildlife, at the, at the insects and the trees and the sky. And what a wonderful, beautiful place this planet is. And how special she is and how much, how much she gives us. And 
get anchored in that and get shored up spiritually, emotionally, psychologically for times to come and for the uh, perpetual craziness that's going on. So go out, connect with nature, see the beauty, think about the swifts, flying and flying and flying. And I think we're all capable of flying and flying. I think it's a, a metaphor for sometimes the spiritual fatigue, the emotional fatigue that we go through in our lives. You know, there's a frequency and an energy and a pitch that we can strike if we stay connected to spirit, where we can just keep going and going effortlessly. So let us fly. <laughs> From my heart to yours, peace and abundant light and the steadiness of heart be with you. And that's it for this week's news. We'll talk again next week, Ariel. Thank you. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Anastasia. Some really wonderful thoughts to ponder over the coming days. So thank you so much for bringing that to us. So um, right now I'm going to um, get Lavendar and our guest, Paula Bates, get them on here. Just hang on a second. I mean, there you are. Okay. Lavendar and Paula, you're both on the air. And Paula, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm really looking forward to this. Well, it's our pleasure. Mm-hmm. Lavendar, take it away. Okay. Well, Paula, I, I really love that you have taken the time to write this Atlantean legacy uh, story. So tell us a little bit about you first. Uh, have you Were you awake at birth? Uh, when did you step into metaphysics? Kind of give us a little history of, of how you came to to be uh, a writer about Atlantis. I've always been interested in, in metaphysics as long as I can remember, but um, I started sort of coming to consciousness, I think, more around in my college age years. Um, the book itself came to light as a result of one of the many workshops I've attended this one was a Brian Weiss workshop uh, in New York City in 2002 where I was in this group where we were all uh, taken back into a past life, into our past lives, and I got in touch with this uh, past life from Atlantis, which was very surprising to me because I had never really had inklings of Atlantean lives that had been more like ancient Egypt or Greece or something like that, but uh, and this one hit me, and it hit me hard. It was it was took me to the last days, and I watched Atlantis go down with some other priestesses that I was with, and it was it, it really left me shaking and raw, actually, at the end. So that's how I came to this was through the workshop, through um, being in touch with past life regression, that sort of thing. I'd done past life regression for many years in my trainings with uh, hypnosis and all. Um, And I was just going to this just for fun, and this came through, so it was wow. It hit me hard. So how long did it take you to write this book? Well, the book itself, I I actually, um, after I went to that one workshop, I went to his training, so I did his training, and more information came through. Um, the book itself took several years for me to write to just to let it all come through, but the initial um, little nugget came through at that workshop, which was me with uh, there were seven priestesses and we were sitting in the circle. It was the end, end time and we were the, some of the last people on the island and we had 
agreed to be there, and we were able to pull ourselves out of our bodies and and watch as the island went down as the volcano erupted and the tsunami hit the island. So the intensity of that was just beyond being able to explain it. I, I felt so shook up by it. So I, I followed that on and, and had several other past life regressions done and and then allowed myself to just different pieces to just be channeled as I was writing. So it, it took some time and some effort and some opening and trust to allow that all to come through. I noticed on the back of the book that Michael Diamond uh, has written a, a paragraph that I'd like to read. He says, The Atlantean legacy immediately immerses the reader in the story of uh, Akana. Is that, it's Akana? Is that Akana. right? Akana, uh-huh. A gifted young lady who is about to become a priestess on the mythical continent of Atlantis. This fictionalized account is steeped in metaphysical lore and pays particular attention to life and rituals in the sacred temple where she is in training. It contains something for everybody with elements of mysticism, spirituality, ancient history, adventure, romance, and intrigue. Having read many books over the years by Edgar Cayce and others about Atlantis, I found a number of kindred themes woven into the fabric of this story, such as the use of crystals, energy grids, extraterrestrial connections, dimensional gateways, and more. Signed, Michael Diamond, music producer and journalist. Mm -hmm. So tell us more about your recall that you had um, in in this regression, if you would. Okay. So I was on a table getting a massage this was I could see the 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 area around me and it was like a desert or sort of not desert it was arid it was sort of arid more like grease and I, I know I was so exhausted and I was getting this body work done and this young woman comes running up and she's saying it's time it's time so we all jump up and and run to the temple, and I realized that it's the end time. It's, the, it's like it, the sky had been beautiful and blue, and all of a sudden it's just dark, and all the clouds are coming over us. And and we go to the temple, and there's seven of us, and we ha- we were called the Sisters of the Crystal Energy. And we had learned over the years to work with crystals and we each had crystals embedded in our heads and we sat there in this circle and this energy started going around and connecting to each of our crystals in our heads and it was building this energy and we knew we were going to do this because we were protecting this energy form that we had uh, we were protecting it from our enemies and we knew we were going to pull ourselves out of our bodies and just allow ourselves our bodies then to die so we did that, and we pulled ourselves out, and I just remember standing up there and looking down with my other sisters and watching everything just fall to pieces and, and the fire and the tsunami and the, everything going under. Was this the last deluge? Or there, there were three deluges. Which, which one was it? It's the last one. It's okay. a, it was the last one, yeah. So so everybody, but mostly in my version of my story as I saw it, and 
as an aside, I want to say everybody has their own version and their own take on it, and I don't claim that mine's the one and only version. I think that everybody has a little uh, bit, and it comes through your own filters, your own filters. So uh, it was it was the end times. It was at the at the very end, and lots of people had already dispersed. Almost everybody had dispersed. Everybody that was left on the island chose to be there, and the rest of the people had dispersed. We had a big group went to Egypt, and there were colonies all over the world. So people chose where they wanted to go. Right. Um, and so yeah, so it was the end, and it went down. Then. Wow. So can past life regression be scary and dangerous? Would you uh, would you talk a little bit about the responsibility of, of information coming through uh, a past life regression? Well, one of the things um, I say is is that when you have a past life regression done, it it has already happened. So to remember that you you have the ability to pull yourself out of the trance. You can open your eyes and you're back in the room. So there's that to remember. If you don't and and there are a lot of things online where you can do it by yourself. But I do recommend that you have somebody to guide you through with it because it's it it makes it easier for you because you can relax, but it also gives you the guidance of somebody else. So if you're at that point where you hit a lifetime, maybe you have a particularly gruesome death, you can um, be pulled out and look down so you're not in the middle and you're not feeling uh, the pain of it. But at the same time, to also remember that you can always, you always have that control. You can always open your eyes and be out of that and be out of that trauma. Right. I noticed in the book when you're in your past spoke to you in the present. What did that feel like? Did you think that you were going a bit crazy when when that started happening? Uh, no, that was actually really fun. Um, okay. Yeah, because I'm sitting there writing and I'm realizing that there's these uh, there's this energy in the room and it's beyond that energy which you have when you're you have characters that you're writing. And so I, you know, I was getting chills up my spine. I was feeling this energy, and I decided to run with it. So I started writing and uh, writing to them and getting answers, and that was that was very cool. So that's why I incorporated that little bit in the book because because it was so much. It was so fun. It was just it was very cool, and it wasn't. I didn't feel like I was crazy because you know like. Heck, I'd already had this really huge uh, remembrance, past life remembrance anyway, and and by this point I was beyond feeling crazy. It's just like bring it on, you know. It's it it was just it was fun. So, what has been the the general reaction of those that have read your book? Um, one of the things it has has done is uh, trigger people's their own memories for past lives from Atlantis, but also for other past lives. But I have a lot of people who tell me that they remember 
their own lives as a result of reading the book. Uh, and and, and there will be different parts of the book that will pull people in. You know, like one person will really relate to the temples and somebody else will relate to some other part of the book. And um, so it, it's kind of whatever it is that you're looking for, you'll find that, I think you'd, you'd find that little nugget in there. Um, and that's my hope, to have people's memories triggered of Atlante, uh, their Atlantean lives. Because it feels to me like there's this universal kind of PTSD as a result of, uh, you know, like a collective consciousness about the the Atlantis going down and the the floods and you know how there's the flood myths in all cultures, all, a lot of ancient cultures, just about all the ancient cultures have the flood myth, and that's in our in our DNA, um, and as a result of getting in touch with Atlantis and memories of Atlantis, you can bring that those old traumas up and help release that out, which is what happens when you do past life regression, whether it's Atlantis or another life. You're, you're releasing old traumas and it, taking away the charge around it so that you may, you'll still have the memory, but it doesn't affect you in the same way and you don't have all that energy around it and it isn't affecting your present life. So is, do you have a second book that's coming out about this? Do you have a continuation of the story? or? Yeah, uh, the book's already already been published. It's uh, uh, called Atlantean Echoes and it follows a group over to Egypt. Oh, so there's another book besides the one I'm looking at now. You have a second one? Yeah. Oh, I, I didn't know that. I didn't. I didn't know to ask for that. Okay. Yeah, Atlantean Echoes, and um, and I'm working on a third one, but it hasn't quite mm, totally come to fruition yet. I also noticed that you're an artist. Tell us a little bit about your artistic work. Well, I've been an artist since day one. I don't know out of the womb with a paintbrush in my hand, I think, but um, always, always did art. And my art has evolved from uh, more of a, a traditional uh, oils, uh, you know, just uh, representational stuff, and has taken off into uh, more what I call my metaphysical art, which is uh, more free-flowing mixed-media type and and that's been really wonderful for me because it's opened me up and and allows my own spirit and and I've been told I have a council that kind of helps me because people really feel the energy in these um and um so those are the works that I'm really into at this time it's just the the the, the open flowing metaphysical energetic type work so the artwork that you do is it is it portraits or landscapes or all kinds of things? They're more abstract at this point. I mean, I have if you look at my website, which is paulabates.com, you can see that I have a lot of different styles. I've I've really evolved from uh, from one style to another. But I have I have landscapes. I have uh, still lifes. I have have uh, portraiture 
but now what I'm focusing more is on the abstract because it really allows that uh, energy to come through and it and it really matches well with my metaphysical work and my meditations and the work I'm doing with my clients and all and it just kind of allows that flow out and and that gives a, an openness and an interpretation to each person you know it's totally open as how you want to see it so you channel your artwork right yeah i mean that's how it feels to me is that it's 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 a channeling i no, think that you know, I Paula, about- my my mother she took art lessons when she was 58 years old really and and her second painting she said that she did, uh, she got up in the middle of the night and she painted it and went back to sleep. And then when she got up, she had no memory of painting that. Wow, that's fabulous. That is fabulous. <laughs> so after that, I said, uh-oh, we've, we've got some somebody coming through the, th- through her artwork. And, and, of course, she had many, many years of, of painting up to the age of 87. So I'm blessed with having all of her artwork all over the house. <laughs> and that's fabulous. That's fabulous. Um, where can we go to to receive information from your inspiration? What's your what's your website and and don't you have some free downloads from your CDs? Uh, yeah, and the, I, the CDs are not mine. They're friends of mine who made the CDs as a result of um, listening, reading my books, and they channeled the music in the CD um, in three hours. I mean, it's just the most beautiful music. There is there's harps, there's a bowls, uh, crystal bowls, there's uh, chanting and and ancient language, and it's uh, if you go to my site paulabates.com/slash/atlantianmusic, you'll be able to download a couple of the cuts from the CD. And they're really just gorgeous. Um, I can't. You know, I, I can say that because I didn't make them. I I am just so proud that they were uh, taken by my book and brought that music through because it, it is just something else. But uh, I do, if you would go and, and uh, download those cuts, I think you'd be really pleased. That's great. So the... You're an intuitive, aren't you? You do yes. counseling sessions. Tell yes. us about how people can find you to to have a session with you. Um, well, if, if you want to get in touch with me through my website, um, you just go onto my website and you can send me um, paulabates.com and you can uh, send me, uh, you know, contact me on there and you can contact me through that. Okay. So tell us some more things about... Uh, your stories from Atlanta something that would interest our listeners. I know a lot of our listeners are really into quartz crystals, and and a lot of people have Atlantean memories. So anything that you can remember to say about crystals in Atlantis, they're they're, they're sitting on the edge of their seat waiting to hear. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, well, I told you about the crystals crystal implants in the priestess's foreheads, and that was a really important part of the book. There was also, um, in my, the story that came through for me, we, the Atlanteans were originally from the Pleiades, and so the ancestors had come in a, in, you know, ships, 
uh, there had been many wars, and at this point, there were no more pure Pleiadians there, really. I mean, they had all been interbred, and uh, the ship itself was not being used, was no longer, well, it had sort of been destroyed in the war, but they had saved some of it, and one, one of the things they had saved was this huge crystal, and they used it in what was called the spiral of space and time, and which was a meditation, uh, maybe an ascension tool kind of thing. Um, and the the crystal itself allowed for the um, elevation of the energies of the people, but also it turned out that it was a, a time travel device as well. So that was that was a fun thing to to come through for me. Did you and, ever run across combination of ruby and quartz combination uh, for different for different devices? No, I'm not quite sure about that. Tell me what what have you come across for that? Well, I I I did a lot of um, research, uh, not under hypnosis, but I was. I was going through a three-week training period with an ET that was showing me five different um, families, uh, I don't know, five different generations of, of one family in Atlantis. And one of the things that they kept showing was they would have these uh, crystal staffs and they would have a ruby in the center and then quartz crystal around it. And well, it, that that's interesting because they had a staff in this book they used it was like a talking stick. Yes. And they had and it had a rose quartz on it in, in the book. So that's like, you know, a combination of the red and the white. Um but yeah, so that was definitely I mean in fact that's on the cover of the book. The the talking stick. Yeah, it's hard to tell what that that's what it is. <laughs> on okay. the cover of the book, so Yeah, well I, I the information that came through at different times about how they used uh, ruby and quartz together to to work with different uh, frequencies. Hmm, that's really interesting. Now, one of the things I've said is that really this information that's come through is there for me. It's it's. Well, I think I said this earlier. It's like we each have little bits and pieces. And Atlantis lasts for two hundred thousand years or so, is what there's what I've read. So any number of things could have happened, and uh, we could, you know. So it's just about everything is valid, and and that's one of the things I want to say is it, uh, just allow your own information to come through, and then trust your own truth because I think there's so much there's overlaps and overlays between people's stories, but I think that everybody's going to have just a little bit of a different bent on it because of of our filters and what what we have here taken on, you know. So have you had any other past lives that you're going to write about? Well, um, yes. (laughs) And I actually had a a new new one uh, recently uh, that I might do, like a little side story of another life in Atlantis. And then I have some that are more around the time of of Jesus, um, that era. Um, 
So yeah, I'm working on them, but I I want those. I want to stay open and allow that channel to come through. It, it it's not something I can force or something I can make happen. I know. Yeah. Yeah, I just got to stay open to it and allow it to flow. And it comes when it's time. Right now, it's I've been more focusing on art. So the book, writing the book is in the background. But I, it'll be a time it'll come back around. What state do you live in? Where do you live? I'm in Indiana. In uh, Indiana? Indiana. Bloomington. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Bloomington, Indiana is a sweet little town. And it's a very... A great vortex. Um, there are talk about crystals. There are geodes everywhere here. And you go down to the lake, and there's just it, the banks are just covered with geodes. It's just it's pretty incredible, and it's it's the kind of place that has attracted a lot of energetic things. Like uh, the Dalai Lama used to come here on a regular basis because his brother used to be a professor here. And, you know, it's, so that's kind of the town we have here. It's so what it's college here. is there? What it's Indiana University. What college is there at Bloomington? It's Indiana University. Oh, okay. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about something that you're going to be doing in the future. Are you going to take people on trips? Are you going to put together a um, any kind of uh, tour to Bimini or down to the to the area where they think maybe Atlantis is? And no, I don't have anything like that planned, but um, yeah, so that's that is where they think it was and and I know I've read recently some stuff like uh, Shirley McLean's most recent book, and she's talking about um the Canary Islands being actually the some of the volcanoes, so that would be on on the um eastern side of where Atlantis went down, and then the bimini islands and and Cuba and that area. Yeah, so no, I don't have trips planned, but I have never been down there myself, and I would love to go down there and just feel the energy there. Well, I think probably you will. Yeah, I think you I think will, will eventually too. take a trip down that, that area. You know, it could Atlantis could be so huge. It could be over by the Canaries, and it could be down by Bimini. I mean, it was a huge, it was a huge continent. It was, and it was broken up, like you said, it was broken up three times. Yeah, so it's very possible that... Uh, yeah. So what do yeah. you think of Shirley's book? And what do I think of Shirley's book? I'm sorry, I didn't quite hear what, what you said. What do you think of Shirley's book that she wrote? Oh, her her most recent one? Wild Oats? It's yeah. a hoot. <laughs> She's so funny. <laughs> I, I really liked it. I, I like reading her stuff. Um, I've been reading her stuff since since she went out on a limb years ago. So, um and I don't totally agree with everything she says about Atlantis, but that's her take, and, and, and I respect her take. And it's not quite the same as mine, but it's similar. There's overlaps. Yeah, I understand. So uh, at this time, I'd like to, um, to to share you with my co-host, Gail. And I certainly do thank you for sending me this book. And, and I, I have been reading on it, but I haven't read as much as I needed to read before tonight, but I promise that I will finish the book. Okay. But thank you so much for taking the time to write it, and and stay connected to our Starseed community. We have a lot of people that will really identify with this book. I have so many emails and so many connections to people that want to talk about Atlantis, so I think you're going to ha- have uh, a lot of people want to buy your book. 
No so worries. I'd like at this time to pass you over to my co-host, Ariel. Ariel, back to you. Talk okay, to you later, you. Paula. Thank you. Okay. Wow, this is fascinating. And like Lavendar said, um, there are so many Atlanteans back now, and she's been tracking them. We've both been tracking them, and, and uh, the remembrance is starting, and the the lessons uh, are being remembered, and the code, never again Atlantis, um, yeah. which was revealed, I mean, in one of Lavendar's um, um, training sessions, I guess you could say, uh, concerning Atlantis. So we are kind of at the same position again with you know technology and science, um, not asking if you should um, you know release this. They just do it because they can. So we need our Atlantean um, souls to be awake and help to prevent a repeat of history. Exactly. That's that's what I feel about my books too. And I feel like I really felt like I was, you know, just I kind of like pushed along. You got to write this. You got to write this. You got to write this. And I'm going, what do you mean? I'm not a writer. I don't write. This is not my thing. Um, no, no, you're going to write it. You're going to write it. You're going to write it. And and it, and it came through. And so what I, I've been told is that um, there are like kind of portals in the book that energy portals that help people find their Atlantean connections and um and I think it's just one of many many tools that are out there for people to connect up but it, it's true I mean this, this, that's that's the the thing that I think is most important in this book is that what what happened in in, in Atlantis was it went down because they got into a fear-based thing they got into allowing the government to control them and really I mean this is a very highly technological society and in, in my story, they had chips in their arms that, that did everything, kind of like our smartphones only embedded, which we're getting to anyway. Um, and and they, they allowed the government to control them, even to the point of their, controlling their own sexuality, and which was, you know, just like the most intimate part and the most, you know, the most vulnerable part where the, it was a safety thing. You know, they wanted to stay safe. They wanted to stay safe. Everybody wanted to stay safe. And they were in this fear-based fear-based place and they needed to trust in the in the universe in the goddess and they, they didn't and that eventually was the end of the society and in that we're doing the same thing we're we're in that fear-based place we're just just allowing ourselves to be taken over and building walls and doing all kinds of things that we don't need in order to be safe, what we need to do is be in our hearts, not in our egos and our fear. Right, right. And, yeah, I mean, technology can be uh, a miraculous thing, but um, like crystals, it depends on who is holding it and what they're doing with it. You know, it can be uh, a wonderful thing or a deadly thing. Mm-hmm. And that's you know, and the difference is the human intent, and um, hopefully some wisdom along the way. Let me ask you: um, Did your life take a, a a turn in 1987? Did you well, have, I have a, a stirring? 
uh, of spiritual awakening, or did you start asking questions? Oh, where were you, and what were you doing in 1987? I was a new mother in 1987. I had a baby in May of 1987. So, um, yeah, my world was turned upside down. But I had already, I had been into this stuff since the 70s. Um, so, it wasn't a new opening. It was just more openings. A widening. You know? A widening, yeah. yeah a widening. Yeah, because, I mean, that August harmonic convergence um, in yes, August. That, that's right. That's right. was that's right. Um, very much tied to Atlantis. And, and it was that, that it, was in August, six, August 16th or August something, 1987. Well, it, when the sun was at galactic degree, which was roughly between the 15th and the 20th, but, um, and I know that uh, there were people that were saying, oh, it's the 16th. No, it's the 18th. But um, Lavendar really saw the, the the completion of it on the 20th. So just roughly in that, you know, mid-August, um, there was an alignment, uh, a planetary alignment. And then that was used to um, implant wake-up calls and uh, codes in people, um, and certainly since you were probably already awake, um, you didn't get the jolt that a lot of people did, you know, in the late 80s. But I was really aware of that time period because I remember, you know, that that harmonic convergence, yeah. That was magical. I mean, everything was magical then anyway because, <laughs> I, like I said, a new mom. So yeah. Everything was new. Well, wonderful. yeah. It would be interesting to um, to look at the uh, you know charts of people born in that in that uh, time um, because there were a lot a lot of Atlanteans starting to come back and and now by now you know they're you know twenty thirty years old and ready to step up and and get to work. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was um, a, a kind of a, a what, what a straight line from the um, Atlantean times um, to the you know heralding of the age of Aquarius, because Leo and Aquarius are really connected to um, uh, Atlantis and uh, actually are the markers for Atlantis. So. Uh, there was there was a, a a point there, a connection to Atlantis. So that's why I asked um, if how that how that year went for you. Um, yeah. Can I ask what what day in May was your child born? May thirteenth. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. It was just before Pleiadian lineup. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, we've got another Pleiadian lineup coming um, in about two weeks, um, up the 16th to the 20th of November. So um, anyone that's listening, you know, everybody always tell pay, pay attention uh, when we are in alignment with the Pleiades because this is when the Pleiadians come and check on their projects and their kids and see how things are going and um, you know some things are completed some things are started uh, but it's just a really good time to uh, pay attention if you have something um, you know that you're wanting help with it's it's a good time for that connection and as you said uh, since originally Atlantis was a, a Pleiadian project it uh, it is again tied very much to not only the Pleiadian lineup, but 
the anniversary of August Harmonic Convergence. Yeah, that's that's wonderful to know too. And so I'm going to really get in, um, in touch with the Pleiadians at that point and see what they're thinking about this book project and how if we need, need to maybe push the third one along. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's just it's just a really good time for um, connection, communication, realignment. Um, you know. I always tell people just pay attention to everything because things that might not seem to be any big deal at the time um, later on could turn into something that's very um, important. So you can always track it back and 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 see. You know, if you just keep note, uh, take note of what's of what enters your life, or what leaves your life, um, dreams, meditations. Just be very much um, aware of the um, galactic significance of that um, event, which happens every year in May and November. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I think uh, it's very important, to... very important right now because of everything that's happening. And it seems like, you know, like every day there's something, something intense, something that needs to be looked at or addressed or or prayed upon or, or something. So... Um, yeah, I think that right now it's going to be that that particular time period will probably be incredibly intense, actually. Mm. Yeah. Well, you know, there's there's so much going on on the planet. It's and um, a lot of it's really good. People waking up, people, you know, finding their their alignment, um, getting on with their missions, and and a lot of it is also um, very tumultuous. Um, as you know, when when faulty systems start collapsing in on themselves and kind of imploding, um, you know it can be a rocky ride. But we're moving in the right direction. I guess my point is, yeah. even though it may seem like the world's a mess and everything's gone wrong, uh, but some of these things just have to play out. And and conclude and get them out of here, so we can you know get on with it. But for um, for all star seeds, uh, job number one is just to hold the light and don't participate mm-hmm. in in any any down spiral um, thoughts or um, energetics. So yeah. um, um, right one right now, I want to. I want to I want to just make this announcement. Um, okay. If if you have a question, if you're listening, um, if you're already on the switchboard and you have a question for Paula, or if you have a comment about your own Atlantean um, understanding, then all you have to do is press one if you're already on the switchboard, so that we know you want to come on the air. Uh, however, having said that, you may need to press one a couple of times because occasionally it just doesn't quite catch. Um, and if you're listening on the computer, then you'll need to pick up the phone and dial 917-889-8292. And then once you're in, press 1 if you have a question or a comment for Paula. So I just wanted to get that out there so that process can be um, moving along if anyone does have a, a question for you. Mm-hmm. So continue. Well, what you were saying is absolutely true about the um, the world looking like it's it's going to hell in a handbasket when really what it's doing is it's 
it's breaking apart so the new can come through and the new can be rebirthed. And like you said, it's a rocky ride sometimes, but for us to hold the light and stay there. And and one of, a prayer somebody just passed on to me today was um, a simple prayer, really simple prayer, but it's heal my fear-based thoughts. And I love that. And just heal my fear-based thoughts and then stay in your heart from there. That's 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 really you know really succinct and and completely right on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, fear of anything is it's a it's an intimidation tool. It's a control and um, you know uh, <laughs> keep you keep you contained kind of tool. And if you just you know you just turn a deaf ear to that and and realize that it's it's imagined. You know, fear is something that you imagine. It's not a it's not a thing that you can pick up and hold in your hand. It's it's completely percept what's the word? Perceptory? Perce <laughs> it's completely perceived. <laughs> I make up words when I need them, it's okay. Well, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. 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 So so that that's that is a hopeful thought too it, it, to remember that it's just so easy to get into the uh, fear-based stuff today because it's been pushing it it's being pushed at us so so uh, uh, con- constantly and and purposefully being pushed on us to control us well right because there's you know 7 billion of us and only, you know, a few thousand of them if you want to go with the us and them scenario. But yeah, you want to keep that many people under control, you got to keep them scared. Yep. And you got to keep them sick. Um and and you've got to keep them impoverished. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all and all of those things are are fear related, you know, fear of lack, fear of death, um, you know, fear of of attack or you know um helplessness and it's just it's just imagined um, you know and i mean there are things that we need to be aware of but you can be aware of something and um kind of navigate in a different direction but you can't run screaming from the room like a little kid <laughs> you just have to you know stop plant your feet Get balanced, get grounded, hooked onto the earth, hold yourself steady, and and keep holding the light. And we can't let anyone diminish that. We have to actually increase it. Mm-hmm. And and we are increasing it. I think it's it, it's easy to get into that thinking that it's all dark because we're given such a minute nugget of what's going on out there that. The beauty of it, when you start looking in other places, it's just phenomenal. Oh yeah, Blow yeah. Circuit. It's it's there, but it doesn't get any press. No. So no. we have we have a caller um, ready to go here. Okay. You will be talking to Christina, and let me just get the mic open. Hello, Christina. Welcome to the show. You're on the air with Paula. Hello. Hi, Paula. Uh, hello, Christina. Um. As I was trying to explain before, my question is a slightly complicated one, 
first off, I, I kind of feel like I need to give you a little bit of a backstory. Um, all my life, I've always, like, kind of dabbled in things and mysteries and always read about the Egyptians and the Indians and, you know, tried to figure out, like, you know, my own spirituality, I guess you can say. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it was always just dabbling. And then when I turned, or right before I turned 30 years old, I got sick. I just had the flu or something. And I hadn't eaten for, like, days and days. And this, like, major enlightenment, I guess you can say, kind of came over me, or at least I thought at the time it was, like, you know, like, God speaking to me because it was almost like everything that I had learned up until that point of my life, like, every experience I had kind of prepared me to write a book. And it's actually about the Holy Grail, um, <laughs> and which I never in a million years thought I would, because I really wasn't interested in the Holy Grail, you know. It, it's just weird it, how it happened. It was something that happened to me when I was very, very young that I kind of had to trace backwards to see if it could possibly be what I think it is, you know? And every time I traced backwards, it seemed to be, like, physically possible that this thing that I figured out, I'm not going to say it on air because then I'd be giving my whole book away, (laughs) Um, but, you know, that this thing, it's actually something that it grows. I'll just say that. It grows, and um, that's the whole point is, like, like what do you think about that? And also, I've had um, some demonic-type, like, entities that I know have been in my life. Is there any possible way that those could be influencing me to come to this, you know, enlightenment, and that maybe it's a false prophecy? Um, I know it's kind of a big question. Yeah, it's a huge question. Um, so, so you're... Your book about the Holy Grail does that get in with Mary Magdalene and and actually Jesus Christ? It talks Jesus about Christ. Jesus Christ dying on a cross, yeah. And and Mary Magdalene, okay. And uh, with the uh, demons, you, uh, a demonic um, sorts of things. Why do you think they're connected to this? Um, I'm not really sure if they are. I just know that I have been I've deceived myself in the past. Um, it's a, it's a very long story. That's why I have to write a book. But, um, I've got involved with a man that was, how do I say it? Missing part of his soul. If, if that, like he was clinically like a psychopath, had okay. something wrong Are with you his still genetic. With no, no. Okay. I'm, it's actually very strange that you said that because the other day I woke up, it was on a weekend at like five o'clock in the morning, which I never do, but I, it was like a new thing I was going to start doing. So I had some time to myself because I'm a mom, you know, I'm a wife, I work, all those things. Like I never had time to myself. So I just one day was like, I'm going to start doing that. And at five o'clock in the morning, he actually, I hadn't talked to him in years and years. He like reached out to me. I mean, called? Which was like, yeah, he texted me, and it was, like, right after I woke up. And that seems to always happen. Like so, in, and it's just, like, a weird coincidence that I know, like, he's somehow connected to my life. And, like, definitely some, like, I don't know if he's connected to the devil or if it's just demonic or whatever it is. But because of my relationship with him, the, it did bring some things in my life. And it makes me confused that mm-hmm. I'm not really sure, you know, mm-hmm. if if these things have always been just been trying to deceive me or 
you know what I mean? Or if that enlightenment, I mean, at the time I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't smoking cigarettes. I wasn't, I was being like really healthy and good. So that's why I just wasn't sure. I don't know how to tell, I guess, what you could, what I'm saying. Getting I, think, to is, I don't what, know how what, to tell. What's important is for you to, one, keep him out of your life. If, if you feel like he's demonic, don't let him be in your life. Don't allow him to text. Don't, don't go there. Just okay. make it impossible for him to get in touch with you. Uh, because there's going to be a hook. He's going to want to try to get in touch with you, and you're going to be uh, tempted because of the co- connection you have. So you want to connect, uh, get rid of that connection. As And the easiest way is to just not allow it to happen physically. And then from there you need to do your meditation and, and bring in angel protection. You need to have... You need to be protected. You need to bring in the angels. You need to do protection prayers around you, um, and and mm-hmm. take it seriously and keep keep the demonic stuff out of there. Now, if you have have some kind of question whether you're being delusional or something about your book, then just just write it as fiction and leave it at that, and don't try to make it a truth. Um, okay, that, that was actually my question. Should I write it? That was originally when I first pushed the button to talk to you. That was my original question. Should I write it in fiction or should it be like more in fact? Because I, I have both. I have the scientific proof kind of. And then I have, you know, the fictional story to go along with it. So I was going to actually make every other chapter like a fictional and then like so there's a storyline and then the next chapter would be like scientific research, like well, you, you could, know, you like, could make it both. You could you could have an appendix or something. I think but, they have something called science fiction, like a science or like a history fiction, fictional yeah. history. So, I guess. yeah, so so just leave it as um, uh, as fiction, and then you know you can do what you want and back. And in the meantime, I, I would suggest that you meditate. And and bring in good light. Bring in the light. Bring in the light. Do it every day. Do it before you set up to write. Put put protection around you when you're writing, so that what's coming through, allow only that for your highest and greatest good to come in, and keep the energy clear, so that right. what you're That's getting what is I clear. Try to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So continue That's what to I've do been that. Yeah. Okay. I know it's a, like a really weird question, but it's something I've been, you know, back and forth with in my own mind, like doubting myself. And it almost seems like he does come back into my life in order to disrupt that. Yeah. You know what so, I mean? It seems so like keep whenever him out. I. Yeah. Just, okay. Just keep him out. Just keep him out. All right. <laughs> so take care. It was good talking Thank to you. you. And I ho- hope that helps. And, and what's the name of your book? Um, it's called A Fool's Tale of the Holy Grail. Okay, so when it comes out, I'll look for it. <laughs> okay, yeah, it kind of plays off of the fool ar- archetype in the tarot. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. All right, take Thanks. care. Great. <clears throat> Thanks too. for calling, Christina. Bye-bye. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay, well, we have um, actually... Um, a question from one of our switchboard hosts. So, Vanya, I'm coming to get you. <laughs> I'm get your mic open. Hey, girl. Is Hi. this your question? Hi, Vanya. It is, 
it is. Hello. Um, my question for you, Paula, is um, I'm not sure if you're running into this, but I've been experiencing some interesting things lately. A lot of people are just coming to talk to me out of nowhere, talking about recurring feelings of um, tsunami warnings, uh, volcanic eruptions, and earthquakes. And I'm wondering if you think, because there's people of all walks of life, age, age range, little kids, adults, older people, just suddenly overwhelmingly feeling this type of stuff, fear-based things, and they're all around tsunamis, volcanic eruptions, and earthquakes. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if perhaps it is an Atlantean code that is switching on at the time, um, because it seems to be all around the same time for people. Do you think it could be possibly that, or uh, well, it, it, it seems, seems to be a pattern uh, that is being repeated from Atlantis, and that, um, mm-hmm. as I think I mentioned before, that uh, there is a, a collective trauma around there, around the whole idea yes. of, of volcanoes and floods, and that's a whole scenario, and our. Mm-hmm. Uh, planet is being inundated with that you know the ring of fire the the uh there's volcanoes going off all the time there's mm-hmm. uh uh you know earthquakes r- very very frequently um so the the question is is this is this awakening in our old uh memories of atlantis is that That's sort of correct. what you're saying yeah, I'm actually wondering if it's the timing of it seems to be around this towards the end of this year. Uh, the last few weeks, I've had more and more people start talking about what they're feeling, and it seems to be along those lines. So I'm wondering if there's a specific code that's waking up and that you've noticed mm. with regards to this. Well, I, I would didn't think of it in terms of a code, but it does seem like there's something shifting and something building and something getting big, uh, you know, mm-hmm. like building up. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, very much, I mean, I coming from my belief system, yeah, I think it's it's an Atlantean uh, 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 repeat. I think that, you know, that we are a, a reincarnation of Atlantis and mm-hmm. that this is, we're being told that, you know, this is to... to um, to come together, which is what we're doing, uh, mm-hmm. to make it through this time, so that we're not going to be um, inundated by a flood again right. and destroyed in that way. And mm-hmm. I think we are being woken up. And yes, you could say it. I mean, like I said, I didn't think in those terms, but as you as you suggested that, that sounds very accurate, very right on, that that is what is happening. So I would, yeah. Okay. I'll say yes. Do you have, excellent. Do you have any tips of what people can say to themselves um, maybe to help them deal with these feelings? Because it's overwhelming for them. I'm noticing that they get panic-stricken, and there's a lot of fear based in that, and I'm trying to recommend how to deal with it, but I'm not even quite sure myself. So would you happen to have a, a, a good tip? that you um, could share with the audience on how to I, deal with those types of feelings? One of the things I've been working with is is getting in touch with the angels. And I have yeah. the feeling of angels protecting me. Um, it's just so beautiful. It's such a soft feeling. And to bring the, mm. the um, Michael, the archangel, who is mm-hmm. the protector, 
in and to bring in any other angel that feels res- uh, that resonates with you but to have that feeling of being protected and to also i think we know on a deep level that this that we all signed up for this mm-hmm. both of us that are here signed up for this and we we're in the right place at the right time we didn't screw up by being here um and and there's a trust that if we can get that um angelic uh feeling around us then you, you can feel that trust but um that that prayer that i said that somebody gave to me today uh, mm. i about healing uh, um the fear it's just i think it's just prayer it's just prayer and staying in your heart and and trusting so uh i guess that's not a really good answer but it's just more getting into that trust place and mm-hmm. over and over again meditate i think one of the things is to meditate because when you get out of your ego mm-hmm. and into your heart you can accept that you're safe in a way that you can't when you're in that ego and you're being fed all the fear right so to heal the, my fear-based mind is a simple and succinct, and I'm sorry, I, can't, I don't know the author of that prayer, so I, I'm not taking uh, credit for it. I'm not trying to say, you know, I can't give you the person who did it because I don't know. But to to heal my fear-based thoughts, please heal my fear-based thoughts, and just say that over and over again. And then okay. breathe and allow yourself to go into your heart. Okay. Hear, feel yourself in your heart and feel the light if you can imagine a little light in your heart and just so so the angels and the prayer in your heart I think that will help when you're when you're getting into that overwhelmed panic feeling and to know that okay. we need to just what we were talking about earlier is that we need to uh, hold the light that's our job mm-hmm. why we're here mm-hmm. yes yeah. yeah I agree I was wondering if there was like a possibly a past life uh, regression tip that you could pass forward that would that you deal with when um, people go into that and they just they believe it to such a depth and they feel like it's going to happen in like days or weeks. But I have a feeling it's it's a little program that's being brought up right now because there's a lot of awakening going on. So it's that in like instantaneous, just a click on, click off sort of thing. And I was wondering if perhaps you knew of a technique that could help them click it on, click it off. Not, not just, not, not, okay. not just that quickly. I, if I could do a hypnosis, uh, individual hypnosis with people and, and, and mm-hmm. uh, create an anchor. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could create your own anchor by, by doing your own meditation and, whether it be uh, like a mudra, uh, your finger, your first finger and thumb together, or tapping your thigh or something, but you can give yourself that that self suggestion when you're in meditation that when I'm feeling overwhelmed and I touch my thigh, I'll feel a feeling of of well being. Mm-hmm. Program yourself. What when you're in meditation in that way? Wonderful, that's excellent. Okay. Excellent. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Paula. 
You're welcome. You're very welcome. Really appreciate that. Okay. Thanks, Ariel, for bringing me on. <laughs> oh, no problem. And and now I'm going to go uh, get Fiona. So I'll hang okay. up from you and go get Fiona. Fiona <laughs> okay. is our other um, switchboard um, host. And let me get your mic open. Okay, Fiona, you're on. Well, hello, Paula. You've made quite the impression on me, and I think you have some switchboard groupies here. Oh, so, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> we don't usually come on the air, but I was so blown away with what you're saying that I had to come on the air just to say um, I have had so many similar visions of Atlantis as what you describe, and I don't usually speak to people about them, Um I've I've had a vision of being if floating in the air, being above Atlantis and watching the last piece of it disappear into oh the my. ocean. And you want it by sisters? I, I, I don't know. I just blow me away what you said. I'm like, oh my god, that's the same thing I saw, and um, and I just and I I love how you your clarification of how different people have brought the story forward and that it comes through whatever filter they're filtering it through now so it can sound differently from different people given their filter. Mm-hmm. I, I think that is so important because I did not get the part that I, you know, well, what if I did have seven sisters? I don't know. I think I should do some more research now that I'm listening to you. But additionally to the vision of Atlantis thinking for the final time and being like, I can't believe I'm out of here, um, I also have numerous dreams where I'm in a palace and it's in Greece and all around it is like a desert. It's almost like Santorini. It's like I'm in Santorini, but they're in accompaniment with this Atlantis theme. So I thought that was a really interesting. You had mentioned that. And um you know, I just don't know how many people. Also, I've had angelic dreams where um, I have a daughter who, um, you know, she's, she does really well. She has a, keeps down a job. She's gotten her degree. She's smart. Nothing wrong with her. But she remembers her past life. She always had since she was little. And one of those experiences were in the angelic realm. And she can go on for hours and hours and hours about what happens there, how they do, how the society runs, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, okay, what's my part in bringing her through and the Atlantean? And then you connected it up just now with the angelic realm. And um, a funny story, you know, I had two angels come to me. I think it was uh, Mikhail and Ariel came and presented me with a book once and they said to me, and it was a vision, and they said to me, are you ready for the knowledge? I said, yes, I'm ready for the knowledge. And they said, no, you're not yet. And the book just fell away. <laughs> and I thought, well, do, why did you do that? <laughs> but, you know, but anyway, I just, I, I think I, this is what you're bringing forward is very important. I will all be contacting you at your website after the show because okay. it's just too similar stuff. Um but I'm really glad that you brought this up because there might be, uh, you know, plenty of people other than myself who also feel like this is uh, something that resonates with them very heavily. So I so thank you for being on the show. I'm just like, boom, lit up like a light bulb. Thank you so uh, much. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> it's, it's just been great. Okay. Well, thank you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, Fiona, thanks so much for that. 
and tell her to do get in touch with me if if I, you know. I will. Oh, yeah. Yo, believe me, Fiona will do it. <laughs> be on your website as soon as we hang up. All right. <laughs> thank you. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Fiona. So um, I'm going to close your mic. And Paula, that has never happened where both of our switchboard hosts had to come on the air. They're always welcome to, but, you know, sometimes there's one or have a question, but never both of them on the same night. Oh, that's so great. You really, you really struck a chord, and we're so glad that you were able to spend this time with us. Oh, thank you. It's been really, really a pleasure, really a pleasure. And uh, certainly, you know, when uh, when that third book is ready, just, you know, let us know. Uh, Lavender handles the scheduling, and you'd be welcome to come back on. So uh, at this point, I just want to recap a little bit. Your website is paulabatesbates.com. Your book is The Atlantean Legacy, and book two is Atlantean Echoes. Yes. Um, and there is all kinds of stuff. I, I looked at your website, you know, for your artwork, the music, and um, go to the Atlantean Music page. I also listened to um, both of the cuts that you've got there. And, and uh, to our audience, you can download those for free. And, and that's uh, at, it um, is, yeah, at paulabates.com slash Atlantean Music. So if you don't put the slash Atlantean Music, you won't find it on the page. It's just for, you know, for these these promotions. Oh, just for the radio. Okay, mm-hmm. so... Um, mm-hmm. Everybody, it's it's paulabates.com forward slash Atlantean Music, and that's A-T-L-A-N-T-E-A-N um, Music. Yeah. So very cool, very cool. Well, it has been our pleasure to have you with us this evening, and um, I want to thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's just been wonderful, <laughs> really, and to make that connection with Fiona. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we have a starseed audience. They're awake. They're aware. They're metaphysical. Um, they are, you know, kind of the the leading edge in in holding the light. Um, you know, and not just our audience, but the starseeds all over the world. And uh, so I know that the, they're very much um, going to appreciate uh, your book and uh, your appearance this evening. Okay. Thank so, you uh with me. that, I will uh, bid you good night. Okay, and good night. Uh, well, <laughs> good night. I want to thank <laughs> everyone for listening um on behalf of all of us here at Starseed Radio Academy. Uh keep listening. We'll be back next week and I want everyone to remember every day count your blessings. It's so important. Until next week. Bye-bye. been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com.